Welcome to another episode of the brand called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm delighted to welcome a very, very senior professional turned entrepreneur and a former colleague from ITC, Deepak Gupta. Deepak, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Deepak is the founder of Amaya Homes and Himalayan Creamery. He's worked for commodity companies like Cargill and ITC. And in his own words, he returned to the basics of the food chain after living uh, in cities for over three decades. So Deepak, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? Uh, Ashutosh, I would say my key milestones, I'll pick them up from my life. The first one, the first one was a sad episode. I lost my father very early mm -hmm. in 1994. And I think that was a time, it kind of worked with me as a trigger. I went from being an irresponsible young adult to being a responsible adult. Mm. And everything, you know, everything I did in life uh, led from there because I had a young family, you know, I had, uh, I had my mother and the rest of the family members to look after. And besides that, the other two milestones, I would say, would be the birth of my two daughters mm -hmm. uh, who were born in 96 and 2000. That was, that was the start of my own family, right? Okay. And I, I always believe that you know, who you become in life is driven a lot by, you know, what your upbringing is, uh, what your family network is, and, uh, you know, all the joy, uh, all the support, all the sacrifices they make, eventually realize you work for yourself and you work for them, right? Mm -hmm. So my big inspiration has always been my family. And I think there are a lot of hidden sacrifices, a lot of quiet sacrifices which they make over the years. Which, which drive you in many ways, you know, besides personal ambition, I think everything people do is for the family and, and, and for the generation, right? Mm. Very interesting. And tell me, you know, before I come to the, your two interesting ventures, what made you give up a successful corporate career and become an entrepreneur? Interesting one. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, so I think, I think I had spent about 25 years uh, in corporate life. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized over a period of time that, you know, as you go more and more senior in corporate life, you learn to put the ship on autopilot. Yeah. A lot of your job becomes a maintaining job. You focus on strategy, a little bit on growth. Otherwise, you are a people manager. Right. And I think, I think there was a side of me which always wanted to step out of that comfort zone because a comfort zone and a monotonous life, I often equate that to being boring. Mm -hmm. I wanted to step away from all that and try something of my own, which I could, you know, where I could prove that I could be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, these thoughts were kind of sitting in the back of my head around 2012, 2013, mm -hmm. 2015, uh, I had a close shave uh, uh, with regards to my health. Mm -hmm. And I decided that the timing was now. Uh, that if I had to do something, I didn't want to delay it anymore. So 2016, I left Cargill. And to be honest with you, uh, five years hence, uh, today I sit here and I would say I should have taken that decision sooner because life's mm. been full of excitement. It's a new journey. And, and you know, I, I just thought that I could have, I could have accelerated this and mm. probably done it sooner. Very interesting. So let's talk now a little bit about, um, you know, your first venture, which is Amaya Homes. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what, you're doing in this venture? So, uh, uh, Amaya was, uh, Amaya is an organic growth story. And it's quite interesting because, uh, you know, I have a, I have a partner in that venture who's based in India because, you know, I, I'm based in Singapore most of the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. 
you know, both of us had this dream very early on because we went for like 25 years mm-hmm. that one day we wanted to build something for ourselves in the hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So both of us identified a parcel of land near Kasoli. Mm-hmm. And uh, we said, uh, you know, we'll build uh, two homes for ourselves. And uh, we went uh, looking for uh, uh, an architect and a designer. And we had a core concept around sustainability mm-hmm. where we said we'll build it in a particular way. And when we started having these conversations with friends of ours, a lot of them basically said that, why are you doing it just for yourselves? You guys are being selfish. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go bigger? Mm-hmm. Because we would want to join in. So, so we went from wanting to build two homes to building 15. Uh, so we acquired about 20 acres of pristine uh, forest land is mainly the Odars and pine uh, on the outskirts of Kasoli. Uh, and, and they're very interestingly interspersed with terraces, which were used for cultivation for many, mm-hmm. many years. So all we are doing is we are inhabiting a 20 acre jungle plot mm-hmm. with 15 homes and is a shared community of homes mm-hmm. built sustainably. And, and the exciting part about this, uh, uh, Ashutosh, is that uh, you know, we, we hired an architect, a practice called Studio Mumbai, mm-hmm. uh, run by Bijoy Jain. Uh, we put together a global collaboration between architects and artisans okay. come and showcase their work on our site. So, you know, we built sustainable homes, which uh, have a village mm-hmm. topography, but at the same time, they're built in a contemporary manner. So uh, uh, it's, it's a shared space. Uh, we have a set of buyers who are global citizens. Mm-hmm. And we always thought that, you know, in the good old days, in the summers, if you lived in crowded cities like Delhi and Mumbai, you either wanted to go to Simla in the summer, mm. or if you're in Mumbai, you wanted to go to Lonavla, right? So these are kind of second homes for people who live in the big cities because it's an escape for them to peace and quiet. Mm. So uh, this journey started about four years ago. Uh, mm. We built the first five and, uh, and yeah, and, and very happy what we did. Wonderful. So tell me what, you know, when you are building a scale, you know, a project of this scale and size up in the mountains, Mm-hmm. What goes into building something of this uh, magnitude? Uh, a lot of a lot of hard work. <laughs> That's all I can say. You know, uh, when you're building something like this in the mountains, uh, I would say that if you're operating days uh, in the cities or in the plains, uh, you can you can probably do high quality work for about nine months in a year. Okay. The moment you go into the mountains, that 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 time period is shrunk to six months. Wow. Because adverse weather conditions, access. Uh, especially access in India uh, can be a major problem. Mm. So uh, I, I think this project took about two years longer than we expected it to. It's a slow mm. build project, mm. but but I think we also had the benefit of seeing it evolve uh, as we went along. Mm. So if you look at the finished product, I, th- I don't think we mind uh, you know losing those uh, two extra years. Mm. Very interesting. So you know there is often this debate, and I know. You know, my wife has got into this debate very often that why do you need to build a second home? Mm-hmm. You know, because if you've got a second home, then you have no choice but to keep going back to it over and over again. Sure, sure. sure. You build a sec- you're building your whole project of Amaya as a second home project. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts or what is your logic for this? It's a, uh, it's a, it's, it's a very valid concern. Uh, I've, I've had this feedback from several people. They said, if I have, uh, sufficient money. I would like to travel, discover new things, right? But there's a difference, Ashutosh. The way the way I look at it. So if I take my own example, mm. I got a home in Singapore, and I have got a home in Chandigarh, and this will probably Maya will probably I have a home there, right? It's my third home. But I I honestly believe you know when you travel around the world, uh, you've 
I'm sure you've done more than I have. Mm -hmm. uh, when you travel, it's like going to a nice restaurant for a meal, right? Mm -hmm. You're looking for an experience, you check in, you have a nice meal, you pay your bill and you leave. And maybe you'll have a little bit of memory about that place. Mm -hmm. yeah? uh, living in a home is very different, right? Mm -hmm. so it's like, it's like uh, there's a bit of nostalgia involved here. So when I look at myself, when I come to uh, Chandigarh, to my family home, mm -hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's pulling up the curtains, you know, getting the systems back in place. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you have, sometimes you have your pet dog welcoming you, uh, you know, you have your domestic health. So moving into that, I think, I think the switchover and the comfort you have in our home is very, very different from checking into a resort. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and uh, one, there are people who are looking forward to it now. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I, we have so many friends who do have second homes. Exactly. But, but I must ask you this to provoke uh, a conversation on this particular oh. subject. Uh, one more question before I move to Himalayan creamery. What are you, what are your views on the millennials and the Gen Zs mm -hmm. actually investing in real estate? I look at it in two ways. I think I think the way uh, Gen Z and the millennials look at how they want to run their lives, mm -hmm. uh, what we are doing is very relevant from their perspective because the millennials and the Gen Z generation. I have two girls mm -hmm. uh, who fall in that bracket. They ask questions which we, you and I never asked. Okay. You know, it, they want to eat food. They want to know where that food's coming from. Mm. How it's been grown? Has it been grown responsibly? Mm. Right. The car they drive, uh, they want to know what is the fuel consumption. Okay. Right? The homes uh, uh, which they want to live in, they want to know whether those homes are built sustainably. Mm. Do they have enough energy savings? Right. So, so when I look at all that, I think uh, when they work, same thing. Right. They want to know what their quality of life is expected to be. Mm. When I started my life, uh, professional life, I don't think I asked any of those questions. Mm. If I had a good job, I was happy that I had it, right? So, so I think, I think in, that, in that respect, what we're trying to do in terms of a sustainable and responsible build in Amaya falls in that category. Okay. The flip side of that is uh, they live in a rented economy. Mm. So I think, I think uh, when, you, when you look at the baby boomers, we were, we were aggregators and accumulators of wealth mm -hmm. and assets, right? Mm -hmm. This particular generation uh, wants to be, they're almost detached. They, 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 you know, they want to, they want to have this rented model, whether it's taking an Uber or using an Airbnb, Correct. you know, they, they, they pay as they go, right? Mm -hmm. So, so the flip, so that is a bit of a disadvantage to us. But the beauty of Amaya is that while people will own these homes, they have an option to rent these homes, mm -hmm. uh, very similar to what you know resorts like Aman or Four Seasons would do. Uh, so what I'm hoping is that when you look at their focus on sustainability and all other things about living, mm -hmm. they would come and stay with us. I'm not 100% sure whether a millennial or a Gen Z would go out and buy these homes. Fair enough. Well said. So Deepak, let's now move to the second project, which is I know you're very passionate about, which is Himalayan Creamery. Sure. Tell me about this venture. It's quite interesting that India is the largest producer of milk in the world. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think 98 to 99% of the milk we produce mm -hmm. is being produced at a subsistence level. Okay. Yeah. So it's a backyard dairy farm. You have mm -hmm. two cows in your backyard. You feed them, you milk them. Somebody collects the milk, you aggregate, pack and sell it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas the entire world, if you look outside India, has actually focused on organizing the dairy sector, meaning people have gone to producing high quality milk, keeping a 
larger size of herd mm. india that has not happened mm. so you know for me it was i was always intrigued that you know the white revolution was it did it do a service to the country or did it do a disservice to the country because producing milk is one thing but i don't think we measure up on global parameters of quality health and the cold chains which we have in our dairy sector okay so i wanted to i just wanted to you know explore whether i could set up a world class dairy business in rural india and at the same time i wanted to go back to my roots because everybody wanted to go into a startup based in a big city mm. uh, i said can i go back to the basics mm. and that was also there was also a thought that i wanted to give something back to community in a way mm. so that's how the dairy came about you know we said we'll set up a dairy farm and we'll use a farm to table approach and i'm glad we did that because you know in 3 years we today produce 5000 liters of milk mm. we supply 2000 families in chandigarh we haven't come to delhi yet mm. and our customers who come on board do not not leave because they they know that i can give them complete end to visibility on the milk they are drinking every day okay and you know dairy has for example been in in and as a business in india has been in existence for thousands of years sure government cooperatives uh, are growing very very rapid mm-hmm. how difficult is it for you to procure milk from third parties great question i think uh, in india the only scale that has been achieved is by the cooperatives mm-hmm. and uh, because they have very extensive uh, origination networks mm-hmm. very hard to break into it uh but what we are finding uh, uh ourselves mm-hmm. is that uh, we want to run a two tiered model number one is we want to scale up as a single location dairy farm producing a niche set of products including milk mm-hmm. and we want to produce about 10 to 15000 liters of milk on our own mm-hmm. and what we are finding ashutosh is that you know when you when you go into punjab where we are located mm-hmm. and i i look at people who are running 50 100 cow dairy farms they tend to sell to the cooperatives because they don't have the capacity to market their own milk mm. so when we partner with these people and we provide them adequate feed solutions we provide them technology and help with keeping the animals healthy and safe mm-hmm. uh, uh, once you do that then the linkages are very strong and and at the end of it uh, milk is still traded as a commodity in india right you know you can buy milk at 30 rupees and you can buy milk at 32 rupees based on the quality mm. so a lot of these farmers are coming to us asking for help mm. and a couple of times when we experimented with originating milk we've not had a problem okay so i somehow think that unless you want to become a uh, verka or amul uh, if you want to be a niche dairy uh, aggregating milk should not be a problem because i think we have enough of it okay so one more question for you on creamery before i move himalayan creamery before i move to the last segment Sure. You know, for for Indians particularly, milk is staple food, staple diet. Mm-hmm. And from the time when I was growing up, where it was basically milk, dahi, and paneer, mm-hmm. today there are in an incredible range of value-added milk products. Absolutely. And the Indian palate is changing very dramatically. Yeah. What yeah. are your thoughts? Uh, you're absolutely right. That's exactly where milk is going. So if you look at if you look at trends globally so when you take an example of North America and Europe mm-hmm. uh, the per capita dairy consumption in these countries is very high but not on account of direct milk consumption mm-hmm. they consume it in the form of products so the amount of milk that goes into making let's say a kilo of cheese mm-hmm. uh, is quite large right and i think i think in india what's happened is two trends have taken place 
Uh, number one is that people have gone from making products at their own home mm -hmm. uh, to buying those products pre-packaged from the market. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like formalization of agriculture sure. as well, right? So, so that's trend number one, which basically gives all the organized dairy players an opportunity to place something as simple as dahi or something as simple as paneer on a shelf. Mm -hmm. And it sells. It sells really well. Mm -hmm. Flavored milk. Uh, is uh, a huge segment. Flavored yogurts are a massive segment, and I think cheeses are starting to take off right. because, because we are we are a paneer eating, mm. so we are a fresh paneer eating nation. Uh, we haven't really migrated in a big way to the processed cheeses yet, mm. yeah, but we are going there. So I think I think this trend is likely to continue. Uh, at the same time, I also believe that consumption of fresh milk will mm. continue in India because our per capita meat consumption remains extremely low. Mm -hmm. So if you look at an organized way of consuming protein, uh, lentils and milk still remain a primary source for Indians. Interesting. I think, I think they will coexist, but at the same time, the formalization of the uh, milk product sector will continue. So then I've got to ask you this one more question, which seems to be doing its rounds all over, which is that cow milk mm -hmm. is, or rather human beings are the only animals which consume milk of another animal. <laughs> and therefore, there seems to be this big lobby that's seeming to emerge uh -huh. that you should not drink milk. Yeah. As a milk producer, what are your comments? I uh, so so one thing one thing I believe in that you know people have a very valid reason to hold an opinion mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the food they consume. It's a choice every human being makes. Correct. And and it is odd mm -hmm. uh, that you know. Humans are the only species who drink another animal's milk. Mm -hmm. At the same time, if you go back, uh, you know there were cave paintings mm -hmm. uh, which were found in Egypt, mm -hmm. which actually show, uh, and as I think it's on Getty Images, mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, which shows a woman milking a cow. Right. So, so, so humans have probably been consuming uh, mm -hmm. milk from other animals for five thousand years. Okay. And I think, I think. The way human nutrition is changing and evolving, mm. we do a lot of things we, we shouldn't be doing, right? So we eat insects, we eat complex meats, we eat animal parts which you and I could have never imagined. Mm. So I think it's a question of personal choice. It's a valid question. It's a rich source of protein, calcium, phosphorus. Our kids grew up on it. You and I grew up on it. Yeah. So yeah, there will be people who will basically move to alternate milk, like oat milk is big in America, right? Soy milk has always been big. So I think I think these two will coexist. Uh, I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Well done. Well, thank you. So my last now segment, which is some questions for you personally, Deepak. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for someone who, you know, uh, has grown so well in the corporate world, someone who's built, you know, interesting organizations, shuttling back and forth between Singapore and India. What does success mean to Deepak? Interesting. Success, I, uh, so if I take my own example, Ashutosh, I believe uh, success is your being able to do something really, really well mm -hmm. to be recognized for it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I worked for Cargill, uh, you know, numbers didn't matter, right? So you, you could be trading a portfolio of billions in Asia. Correct. Uh, but beyond a point, it's just a number, right? So, so to me, I think, I think success is you, you pick up something which you mm -hmm. want to do. Uh, you're passionate about it and you do it really well and you recognize mm. a pan wala to me making an amazing pan where people will travel 10 miles to have it mm. is success Correct. you know a guy who makes great chai sitting outside a hospital mm. is success 
So that's the way I tend to look at it because you know everything I've gone into after my corporate life does not have scale. You know, it's uh, they're, they're self-contained businesses, they're niche businesses, but it gives me happiness because I know that I've done something very well and the world recognizes me for it. Interesting. And therefore, a follow-up question to that is: you know, you keep doing so many things. Who or what inspires you? In some ways, people like you, Ashutosh, mm-hmm. uh, my customers, my friends. uh you know people who visit these places they come visit a dairy farm i have had doctors lawyers bureaucrats who hear about us and they say can i visit and i said absolutely come come have a meal on our farm mm-hmm. right they come in and you know i i look for their feedback you know i i observe what they say and they in some ways they are blown away and i think that's validation of the core concept i had where i said can we do something different can we create something where we can wow people and i feel we are in a way uh, able to wow people Amazing, and I think that's reinforcement in terms of saying great product, uh, great project. Uh, how did you pull it off, right? So to me, uh, to me, that's what that's what drives me to continue, continuously improve and do what I do better. Very interesting. So now, time for uh, two more questions for you. Sure. Uh, my next question to you uh, is on failure. You know, mm-hmm. you've got two daughters. Uh, I have two sons, and I've often said, Indian parents don't teach children. that it's okay to fail mm-hmm. right and therefore that and we always we are always we were told or i was told and we've always told our children you must be first be at the head of the line and that manifests itself in our behavior patterns sure. which is nine cars on at the traffic light in a three lane thing i don't want to getting out my flying economy wanting to be the first of the plane when i know that there's only one etc etc sure uh, and i have a new book coming out on failure uh, in 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 march yet we fail yeah my question to you deepak is what have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes or failures so so, so everything you said uh, uh, I, i can connect to it i you know my upbringing with my own girls has been fail and fail early hmm. because because uh, that's the best realization you ever going to have that you know i should be doing things in a particular way or the certain things i won't be doing hmm. right For me, I think I my biggest failure was that when I look at the first five or seven years of my career, I wasn't really driving my own passion. Yeah, I went in because I said I I saw a job as a means to an end. Correct. It fulfilled a financial goal for me, and I said I'll keep doing it. And then I suddenly realized by the time I was in my second job that I would get bored within a year because I said this is not what I want to do. Mm. Right. So so one of the things I've taken away from that is that. no matter how small no matter how simple uh something you want to do mm-hmm. if you're really passionate about it do it really well mm-hmm. and with my own girls right so our coaching to them has been uh you know everybody wants to be a computer science engineer right so my elder daughter went on to do an arts and economics major mm-hmm. uh, from the us mm-hmm. and she asked me is that you know what should i do everybody wants to be an engineer i said do you really are you passionate about being an engineer do you love physics and math she says no i said then you know go and do what you really like doing and and your career will carve itself out so there aren't really vertical silos in terms of saying these are the only three jobs you can do because every entrepreneur finds his own way very interesting so deepak thank you very much it's been such a pleasure speaking to you uh, i wish you lots of success in everything that you're doing with amaya with himalayan creamery and i look forward to meeting you sometime soon all the way there thank you so much thank you bye bye
Thank you for listening to the brand called You Video Cast and Podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.